Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. Good afternoon, Darren. Hi, Mo. And just a just a brief heads up. If you hear beeping, digging, <laughs> drilling, <laughs> dropping, hammering, sawing, anything construction related, uh, we apologize. We are in a... In fact, no, we don't. We apologize. don't apologize. We don't apologize. This is the sound of progress. <laughs> the things are getting done around here at the Conduit uh, headquarters. We are expanding our facilities, and there is work getting done today. So we just ask that uh, you just be patient if you if you hear any of that in the background. Uh, regardless, we are in the middle of a new sermon series, and by new, I mean with like we're like five weeks in. So. Um, it's newer. The, it's newer. The past few sermon series have gone several months. So uh, this week, this past week, we dove into 1 Corinthians 12, and which is kind of the second of the triple threat. So this current sermon series is you are a triple threat. Um, and so now we're into the second triple threat, and that's found in 1 Corinthians 12. And Darren dove into word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and the gift of faith. And we spent a lot of time in John yeah. chapters 14, 15, and 16. I guess we kind of took the scenic route, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was kind of surprised. But, but it's, I know. It's, very complimentary. I it's very complimentary to the passage and to the topic. So it obviously made sense to include that. Yeah. That's what the Bible is there for. Yeah, I guess when I was thinking through 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 5, you know, the Holy Spirit is what we're talking about. So, like, we probably should go back and, like, remember why the Holy Spirit came. Right. Um, and I guess maybe it would be appropriate if you are newer to the church, like in the last three or four weeks, to remind you that when we say triple threat, uh, it's our premise that the there's three places in the New Testament where there's a list of gifts given. And we believe uh, that those are not uh, all the same like list just divided into three, but they're actually three completely separate lists with three separate purposes, each aligned to the member of the Trinity mentioned in there. So that was uh, important to us. So we went to Romans 12, which was uh, what we call life gifts. Yeah. Um, and actually, I don't know if you've got your Bibles out. First Corinthians 12, go back there, verses 4. Five and six. Um, he starts with there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit distributes them. Uh, that's verse four. And you see there's verse four, five, and six. There's three separate things. There's different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. And so we would look at that and say that different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. And then you look in verse seven, the manifestation of the Spirit. So those that is talking about First uh, Corinthians 12. Yeah. Then he says there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, the same Jesus, Ephesians 4, those five gifts are uh, diakonias, it's the exact same word, service, uh, and the same Jesus. And it says that Jesus gave gifts to the church, Ephesians 4. And then Romans 12, um, it says here, verse uh, 6 of 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and all in everyone, there's the same God. So there's the Father at work, and that work is uh, energy. Jima, I never mm-hmm. say it right. That's right. But it's the word that basically how you're energized, like what makes you come alive, like brings you to life. And we, those seven gifts of Romans 12 was the first uh, threat, which is the natural becoming supernatural. Yeah. Mo has the gift of, uh, the Bible calls it leadership uh, administration, but we call it guardian because he's really good at keeping us safe. Um, that is Mo's natural proclivity, how God created him. And then it becomes supernatural when he keeps us from running out of propane or keep, just keeps us from like this whole thing stays on the rails because somewhere behind the scenes, Mo is like making sure and, you know, threat assessment. That said, that's like the, we, we spent a couple weeks on that where we just got to was first Corinthians 12, yes. which, um, the world I grew up in when we talked about spiritual gifts, that's pretty much all we thought about was the first Corinthians 12 yeah. set of gifts yeah. was the, was the default 
Always. Super, yeah. Because, I mean, who doesn't, you know, prophecy, right? That's super legit, right? You can. And then my background, we never touched the first right. Corinthians 12. So let me ask you this. So you were in that, you were in the same church for a long time, a pastor you love and, you know, uh, what would they have said about first Corinthians 12? Is that like this? We're not doing that no more. We're not doing that anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't exist. It doesn't, it's not uh, applicable to right. modern day. Right. Right. Um, never really taught or talked about in terms of, yeah, especially right. prophecy or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, it's funny. So we, which I'm assuming part of it, by the way, would be because, which is a true story, a true statement that the word of God is complete. Like God's word, the Bible is his word and it is finished. We don't have to, we're not going to add to that or whatever. So this is the, the, the canon is closed, which funny enough, like, um, so that would be why they would say, uh, like in your world would have said my world was nuts because, Oh, for sure. Right. Cause we're adding to scripture or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, but we would have said in our world that, uh, we actually would have agreed with you. The word of God is the word of God. It is complete. So we would never like no one ever would have, if they said anything prophetically or whatever that did not line up with scripture, then we automatically would have yeah. rejected that. On the other hand, we were all gas and no brakes. Like, right. It was like, uh, you know, God. Flag so, runners? A little, well, no, it's, that's so funny. We actually felt bad for flag runners. We were kind of, um, we, we referred to, the, I don't know if you guys have the phrase, we called them flaky Christians where we were. That was like, so you don't want flakes around. Uh, in fact, I had a friend, um, what are the chances he would listen to this? Probably zero. So my roommate at, Bible college. And in the off chance that you actually hear this someday, uh, I was an idiot too, just so I get the too. But uh, he would come home from school and would go into his room and lock himself in the room and pray in tongues extremely loudly. Interesting. While, uh, while then he would go over his sermon or like the, the notes from the school that day, like he would preach them, but it was like he was in an arena, like he's Reinhardt Bonnke. <laughs> in our little two bedroom apartment. Wow. But here's why I bring that up because uh, he had some friends come from uh, his home. They were headed to Mexico to, uh, for a mission trip. And I get up in the morning, we had this little uh, like pullout bed in the, in the living room. And I'm looking for, I guess it was his brother. When I think about it, and I can't find his brother anywhere. And I later figured out that I couldn't find him because he was sleeping on the floor underneath the hide bed because, and I quote, apostles sleep on the floor. Oh, wow. He went off, went all out. 100%. Don't know wow. where or why. Uh, other Do than, apostles sleep on the floor? See, I don't know. I, 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 I get, <laughs> I'm sure Paul slept on the floor from time to time, but I was like, I was like 19 years old. Well, I mean, apostle means sent one. We say that's like the missionary and, yeah. I, you know, missionaries sleep on floors sometimes. Yeah. And I, honestly, all he needed to really say was, hey, you know what? These hide beds are very uncomfortable. There's a bar right down the middle and I can't sleep. It's going to hurt my back. But that, right. that wasn't the card that he that's played. That's hilarious. Anyways. Uh, these gifts that we're talking about here, uh, it's, it's literally a, about the Holy Spirit. In fact, the word gifts in chapter 12, verse 1, where it says now concerning spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit, um, the word gift is actually not in the original text. Oh, um, interesting. It's a word that's high, uh, italicized if you've got the original King James, 1611, whatever. Um, yes. <laughs> Because it wasn't there. And they were, you know, the, the translators were just trying to help. And as is most times the case when the translators were trying to help, we know it, number one, because it's in italics. We actually have the, the transcripts so right. we know. And also, it's not very helpful, uh, in my opinion. Now, that said, if somebody wants to call these gifts, I'm certainly not going to die on that hill other than to say that uh, it's actually uh, when, you, when you see the word manifestations mm -hmm. of it, um, that actually is a better translation because it actually is what's happening is the spirit manifesting outside of you what's going on inside of you. And when that's the word, then it, is it a gift? Yeah, that's a gift for sure. We can, we can right. say that the semantics, whatever. But in my uh, mind, the, the, the word manifestation feels more hmm. appropriate for it. Uh, it's certainly um, some translations say that. In fact, I think it actually in the NIV when it, Gets down, yeah, it does right there in verse seven. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Like that word makes sense. And by the way, it also then makes sense when you get down, and we'll get to that when it talks about gifts of healings. Like you look at every one of these: message of knowledge, 
uh, faith by the same spirit. It doesn't say the word gifts in front of any of them except for healing. And then it actually says gifts, plural, of healing, uh, hmm. which I guess we'll cover that when we get there. But to, I, I think what that means is that the gifts, plural. So when Jesus showed up at the pool of Siloam, only one guy got healed that day. So only one gift of healing sure. was that day, the day James and John won gift. So it's, it's not that someone like Micah, who is our killer producer, makes killer beats, does not have the gift of healing. Uh, nobody does. I don't think that's what it means. It means that at the time, if it's needed, that gift, gifts plural, if more people get healed than one, is, is distributed. Um, it, I guess I'm in the weeds, aren't I? Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> But that was, was that not kind of your object lesson though, too, uh, on Sunday with your, your Gerber, your Leatherman, it's, it's a tool that's accessed when needed and can for be what's needed. Yeah. Deployed as needed. Yeah. Which is why Gerber's, uh, it's funny. I should have said Leatherman cause I said Gerber during the service cause it's what brand it was. Oh, okay. And nobody knew what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was a Leatherman. I'm like, okay, it is, but it's Gerber brand. Anyway. Um, but, and that is there. There is an element of that that is what it is. That the Holy Spirit um, allows those. To, if you if you need the screwdriver, Phillips, straight, whatever, like it's the right manifestation of the Spirit for the right moment that you need it. And you'll know when to use it, and you'll know how to use it. I, yeah, I think so. Like I think that if you're in quote unquote in the Spirit, which we'll talk about maybe in a minute here. Was it a word of knowledge? Was it a word of prophecy? Was it a word of wisdom? I don't know. Maybe it's all of them. Like, it's all from the same Gerber. So w the point is, is I don't know that you have to be able to identify what color of the rainbow it is even. Sure. It's just other than to say that that's what the Holy Spirit wanted to, wanted to manifest in that moment for that time. Yeah, and I think, I think at the end of the day, if you are truly being led by the Spirit, there's, it's, it's almost involuntary. Like, you just know what you're supposed to do. You yeah. know what you're supposed to say. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Because um, in my experience, the thing that you would experience the most is I can't not do this. Like it's such a, a I'm just compelled to do this or to say this. And I'm, you know, so there's, and, and maybe there's a little bit of when um, you, you talk about like grieving the Holy Spirit of God, like whatever, that if you ignore that, because we can, he's not going to force us to do any of this. Um, but so withholding that, uh, prompting of the spirit i think that's part of what grieves the holy spirit of god he, he wanted to he, he wanted that person today to be prayed for in a very specific way right um i was actually uh i went today to my text messages because uh, our, our mutual friend uh, brian tankersley went to be with jesus uh, a week and a half ago or so yeah. and the last text exchange i had with him was him uh texting saying hey i hope uh, it, I wasn't out of line that I came and pray, put my hand on you and prayed for you. Uh, and it was sometime like early December. Right. And, uh, but he, he had obeyed the, the Lord's prompting to do that. And it was a moment where I, you know, I was frazzled. I was this, and it was literally what he did was by doing that, I stopped. And for the first time that day I actually stopped and it was exactly what I needed at that moment. And yeah. he, all, all Brian Tankersley did was a, he's got the gift of encouragement from Romans 12. That dude, Right. If if there was a picture in Romans twelve of, of, of who that is, we'd just put Tankersley there, and everybody'd be like, "Oh, for yeah, sure, that's it, totally." Um, but I I don't know whether was that a word of knowledge, was it a word of prophecy? I was just the Spirit manifesting through him. I you know all I know was that day, I walked out of church feeling encouraged. I felt glad. I felt like the Lord had seen me because a guy named Brian Tankersley yeah. uh, pushed through, uh, not wanting to whatever because you are you're risking embarrassment you're risking rejection yeah and it feels like at the end of the day though it's about obedience right like yeah. you're, you're being obedient to yeah. the prompting yeah and so that was part of what i took back to john 14 15 and 16 uh the theme of that was abide and obey yeah. that's what jesus said over over and over and over and again abide and yeah. obey abide and obeyed obeyed <laughs> and I, th I believe with all my heart that that's like when you meet somebody that just, they've just been with Jesus, uh, mm -hmm. that it just oozes out of them uh, because they've been abiding. So the fruit is coming out, but they still have to take the chance and come and do what the, the Lord is, which is the, the obeying. It's keeping his commands, yes. um, 
which the word keep, and Micah, this is a spoiler alert because this is going to come up at your wedding. Um, I, I think it's true. Like uh, when he says, keep my command of love, I, I've used that in the context of marriage, uh, that the keeping is, I'm like keeping a family heirloom, I'm protecting right. it. I'm putting it in a place of honor where I can, I know where it is. I know it's safe. And so that in our marriages is, is important. Yeah. But he says to keep my commands and his, what are his commands? He says just a couple chapters before, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and uh, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on those two. That's what he yes. said. So keep those and then obey. And if you do those two things, so keep, keep would be maybe better rendered or translated as protect. Yeah, I th- yeah, because it's, it, it's one of those times where the English language yeah. gets a little funky on us. Um, because obey is, the, it is, it is obedience. It's certainly not less than obedience, but it's like more than that. Like it's, like I, do, so like I, I don't cheat on my wife, okay? Not because she's an ogre, not because I, she's oppressive. I just don't want to hurt her. Like I, I so right. I want to keep my vow to her yeah. that I wouldn't. Now I, I'm an idiot every day and she would be too nice, but I could probably get her to put up a, a list on the whiteboard of, <laughs> of ways today that I will have uh, hurt her feelings. But Keeping uh, our vows means that, you know, I, I'm not going to pursue another. And so that's the keeping of the commands, which is right. such great language because then he just says, you know, I just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. All the law, all the prophets hang on those two. So when I hear somebody talk about, you know, well, I don't, this or that about you know, the Ten Commandments, like, I mean, I don't know, which one didn't you want? You know? The, right. The not murdering one? Was that the one you got a problem with? Uh, yeah. Not having sex with your neighbor's wife? Is that the one? Which right. I guess in modern times someone would say, yeah, that is the one. Well, I do have a problem <laughs> with that one. But but if you narrow it down to love your neighbor as yourself, if I love Shannon the way that I love myself, I'm not going to cheat on her. Right. Uh, I'm going to keep our vows with it. So that's where that word would come from. Yeah, that's good. You had another little tidbit that you unleashed. Um, it's, a, it's a quote from, oh, what is his name? Pete, I can never say his last name right. Pete Scazzaro. Pete Scazzaro says, Jesus may be in your heart, but Grandpa is in your bones. And the task of discipleship is to get Jesus more and more into your bones. There's a lot behind that. Do you remember the first time when we actually were doing some Pete Scazzaro emotionally healthy leadership with the staff? Yes, and it, it <laughs> felt like uh, I was on the receiving end of uh, one of those, I don't know, uh, like in Mortal Kombat when the guy does the... Hayuga. And like this fireball kind of goes out and it hits the guy and it throws him back. Can we do the Hayuga again? Yeah, we <laughs> that was can. pretty good. But that's kind of, it like hit me like that, like boom. Yeah. Like it, sh- it was like a shuddering. Yeah. Like, wow. Okay. That, yeah. that makes sense. And m- maybe makes more sense why I'm on alert. Yeah. For some of those things um, from generations past. Yeah, I, 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 so the first time I heard Scazzaro say that, I actually, I was like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that anymore. I did not like that at all. No, exactly. Um, because I, I'd actually initially only received the negative components of that. Because um, the thing about grandparents, right, is that we get more than two of them, right? We get four of them. Four. Yeah, that's true. And then you multiply it back by another generation. Keeps and, going. But what I, what I have just in the last year thought through really was that yeah, sure. There's negative mm-hmm. um, from that because it's whatever we're sinful world. But there's also the positive side of it. Mm-hmm. There's the the idea that my grandparents uh, that I had for years said were quitters because they stopped on the Oregon Trail in Nebraska, uh, <laughs> which, which is, is hysterical. Uh, right? It's comedy. I don't want to like get in the, in the way of a good punchline, but but uh, <laughs> but as I've researched uh, their history, it was like they stopped there because uh, they're pioneers, and pioneers stopped there and created safe havens for travelers coming on the Oregon trail to whether they're going to Sacramento or uh, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And then realizing that over my grandfather's life, that he was a pioneer, that he was out there in the military, Vietnam, mm-hmm. medical pilot, all that. Uh, and that that's what, I mean, we're sitting in a church right now that was pioneered yep. in a way that was, I mean, we asked the question when we started this church, God, don't you have yeah. enough churches in Nashville? Yeah. And the answer was yes. But we pioneered something that was different enough, not that anything else is wrong. It's just God had something he wanted to do here that was unique. And so we pioneered that. So 
But the point of that was that that's the language that Jesus was using in John 14, 15, and 16, that the Holy Spirit is the essence of who the Father is inside of us. And so if Cazero is right, getting Jesus more and more into our bones means that whatever that history comes from us will look more like the Holy Spirit, will look more like our Father and less like all the, the things that we'd like to right. be done with in our history. Right. That we're now, he's our Father. He is our, Jesus is our brother. We are adopted. I'm not going to leave you as orphans in this world. Yeah. Which, you know, especially in this current climate, you know, I, I've actually begun to realize what it actually feels like to be an orphan, whether it's, political party that I don't know which one I really belong to anymore. Yeah. Whether it is, you know, just the, the culture itself, the public schools, all, I don't know where we fit anymore. And I think that's the way that we're supposed to feel mm. because this world isn't our home, but at the same time, we're not orphans here. Uh, that right. we are, uh, adopted by a father who and, is and, going. And I think it's in that same passage in John where it talks about being grafted in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. John 15, um, he talked, uh, so you may be thinking about Romans, actually Romans 11, being grafted in, but he does talk about in John 15 about us being the vine and the branches. Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting thing. I wasn't planning on doing this, but, um, the, the language there in John chapter 15, um, when he talks about the vine and the branches. So right in the middle of the Holy spirit chapters 14 and 16, in the middle of that, he talks about the vine and the branches and bearing much fruit, which reminded me very much of how uh, we are um, in chapter 13, chapter of 13 of 1 Corinthians, love is sandwiched right in there between right. 12 and 14, right here, 15 is sandwiched in between a Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is love. So that's what this is, that's great. is talking about. Um, but he says, I'm the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that he does, uh, that does bear fruit, he prunes. And um, I'm pulling this up while we're doing this here, because there's, some, again, with the language, you have to be careful when you're doing, oh, the original Greek, because you can torture the Bible long enough and make it say whatever you want it to say. Sure. Uh, just like anybody. Um, but when he says here that I'm the vine, uh, the King James, it says he taketh away, mm -hmm. and every branch that bear fruit, he, he uh, purgeth. But the word there, um, in King James, where it says, uh, beareth not fruit, uh, he taketh away is the word aros. And when you see the word aros, uh, it's a word that means to, listen, the exact word, to raise up from the ground. Hmm. Uh, and then when it goes on in that chapter and says, that he prunes so that it will be more fruitful, you are already made clean. So the word prune, um, so aros is the word lifts up and then purges is the word katharos where we get our word uh, catharsis from right washing so Understanding when we were in Italy we went and saw I, I don't know jack squat about wine if I'm being really honest right people said for like we were at a party and they had like these $300 bottles of wine and first of all, I'm like, where's the box of wine? Because that's like what we would be. Like we're, we're box people. I don't know the difference between a $300 bottle or a sure. two-buck chuck from whatever. But but here's what I learned in Italy, that uh, the way that uh, vineyard owners take care of their vines is that when it becomes rainy and wet, they'll actually, well, the, the heavier they are, mm -hmm. they'll sink into the mud and become dirty and muddy. And so what the vineyard owners do, the gardeners is they come up and they raise up, right? Lift up. So Iros, everywhere else you see Iros, it's actually lifted up. Jesus lifted up Iros, his head, he lift up the grapes mm -hmm. and Katharos purges, washes them off hmm. and puts them back up where they're supposed to go again. Yeah. So yeah, we, really cool. Yeah. Cause it, I've been bloodied up by this passage so many times. Jesus sure. is going to cut you up and throw you in the fire. He's going to, you know, yeah. But he goes on to say here that, uh, the next verse, right? He says that, um, you've already been clean verse three because of the word that I've spoken to you now remain in me and I'll remain in you. Like that language there is of a gardener of a loving gardener that's coming and sees that if you're weighted down by the world, that is going to lift up your fruit, get it washed off and put it back in place so that it can continue to bear fruit by the word of God. You're already clean because I've made you clean. 
no branch can bear fruit in itself. You must remain in it. And if the fruit of the Spirit is love, then that's one of the primary. Maybe that's what is important for us to talk about is yeah. that where I was, the world I was in, they would have told us, I would have told people that the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit is can you speak in tongues? That's how you know. Um, that's the sign. But that's not the sign. The sign is love. Yeah. I know a lot of really mean people who could pray in tongues. Sure. Um, so the sign is, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, you can do all those things, but if you don't have love, you're just a clanging symbol, right. you're empty. And the fact is, is that that's what Jesus, that relationship he wants to have is to lift you up, to allow you to bear fruit, which is love. And I think, you know, when you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, it, when you think of it like, how do I put this? When you put it that the Holy Spirit is here to empower us, the Holy Spirit was to, so that we're not orphans anymore. It takes the attention off of which gift do I get to distribute today or do I get to be the prophet or whatever. It takes it all off of that and back onto just the loving relationship with the Father. Right. And after all of that, you know, at the end of that chapter 12, when it talks about, hey, are all apostles or all prophets, he's talking about the Ephesians 4 gifts. Do you all work miracles? Do you all have gifts of healing? 1 Corinthians 12 gifts. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly, verse 31, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Like earnestly covet yeah. those gifts. And I, I think it's covet in King James, but it's like the idea that like just when you're eagerly desiring them, it's literally about I'm desiring the relationship with my wife. And the other stuff that comes along with it, yeah. uh, I get to enjoy. Sure. You know? My, you're com- you're being compelled. You're compelled towards. Yeah, and it's, you know, let's be honest. We've been married a few years. Mm-hmm. We've made some babies. There's some really great benefits to being married. Yeah. Um, Mike is about to figure those out. But what do we know that 25 years in for me, that's a great benefit to it. But man, there's so much more to having a relationship with absolutely. my wife. So much more than that. Like it's absolutely beautiful and it's intimate and amazing and i would i would give everything for her i would lay down my life for her and she for me because we've just been together for so long we've survived it and to eagerly desire to covet the the greater gifts um i was actually reminded of something i probably taught this at the bible study 20 18 years ago when we very first started a bible study and it was a reminder of do you remember elijah and elisha Elijah and Elisha, yes. Always got them confused. I know, right? Especially growing up, it just it was always swapped. I, I got them mixed up. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Did you guys have flannel graph? Flannel of course, boards? we had flannel graph. I, that's in the '90s. You had flannel. Most board? most most of my biblical teaching came from flannel graph. <laughs> I was Micah, a flannel graph kid for sure. Micah, do you have any idea what we're talking about? A flannel graph is. You do because you've Googled it, or because you know they used it. Oh, yeah, the church that he would have grown up in for the first few years as a little little boy, which would have been well into email, yes, and video. They were still they were DVDs, still, still dipping into the flannel graph. It was probably it was probably for fun, just like you know some vintage okay. Sundays. All right, well that makes sense. Not a primary source of teaching, although it should be. It should still be used today. See, we were, we were superior, man, because not just the town, but like superior because we had puppets by the 80s. Oh, yeah. The puppet ministry. Yeah. We come had, rolling into town. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So we ditched the flannel graphs. Uh, charismatic Pentecostal churches. We did not do flannel graphs. We did puppets. And, and I might be wrong about this. And, and James can correct me if I'm wrong. If he listens to this, I think he's going to be on a podcast in the coming weeks. But James Boyd, a discipleship pastor. What, what weren't him and Becca, his wife, on a puppet traveling team. Puppet team? If this is not true, I need it to be true. Because if we get David Shindell leading worship with a trumpet on one Sunday, and then we throw the puppet ministry at him with James and oh, Becca. Man. Oh, man. I might have just made that up. I don't remember. I feel like I've heard that, but I, I don't know if it's attributed to them or not. But still, puppet ministry yeah. and flannel graph, all of that was raging in the 90s, early 90s. Raging in the 90s. And the reason I bring it up is that uh, you could easily be confused because the way flannel graphs worked was that 
Elijah and Elisha probably looked exactly the same <laughs> as John the Baptist. As yeah, they were all the same flannel graph, like bearded men in robes. Yeah, like you get out your lesson for that day, and it's got the numbers of which ones I'm supposed to use. And I swear to you, John the Baptist and Elijah were the same guy. Yeah, and Elisha probably falling right that's, in there. That's but, probably where the confusion came in. But I, I think of Elisha because so Elijah, the, this prophet, Mount Carmel, yes. and for those of you going to Israel with us in uh, February of 2022, we're actually going to be on Mount Carmel. There are some places where you know this is where it happened, and that's one of them. And Elijah on Mount Carmel, overlooking the plains of Megiddo, right? So we're, ta- we're talking right. about that in Revelation, but um, but it's time for Elijah to ascend to heaven, and his protege is a guy named Elisha who says that he wants a, like he, he's going to ask for like a double portion. He knows that Elijah is going to go. A double portion of what? Of of Elijah, of his anointing, of anointing. The, whole, the spirit on yes. him. Of his, He's like, I, I want that. Because I was at lunch today and I wanted a double portion. Was it at Chick-fil-A? But yes, it was at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> The problem with the double portion at Chick-fil-A is it's like $14. It's, when you biggie is. size something there. But can you put a price on that, really? I mean, it's... I can. Yeah, I guess you can. But double portion, that was always one of those little phrases we throw around uh, that I didn't understand early on. You know, as a little kid, double right. portion. I'm like, what does he want a double portion of? <laughs> the anointing, the, the Holy Spirit of of this gift, this favor. Yeah. And and, and look, here's the thing. Um, this is... this. I would say this passage has, I think, been taken out of context many times. Um, Because in a modern context, when Jesus says in John 16, it's better that I go away, you know, the disciples, of course, are like, that does not feel better, even a little bit better. Right? Why would you do that to us? But he says it's better because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Mm. Meaning that, so in Jesus's day, you had to push through the line, you had to cut through the ceiling, you had to jump over the crowd, climb a tree, whatever, to get to Jesus. Because he was one one person. Yep. It was God made flesh. Yes. The Holy Spirit indwelling each of us means that we each have a front place in line. Yeah. So we all have that portion of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to uh, beg for it. But the, this idea of, of, of de, like earnestly desiring it. And as I read this again, even this morning, I was feeling a little convicted because, you know, I'm a, I'm a head guy. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but I think a lot. Yeah. And, uh, we're glad you do. Well, yeah, sometimes I am. Um, but I was remembering, like, there were days, like, I did desire that. Like, I've desired that the Holy Spirit working through me, that I wasn't, that we're not just going to just feed children. That's critically important. But also, hey, while we're there, why not set some people demon-possessed free? Like, seems like a good use of our time while we're in Africa, you know? And I promise you, people that have been miraculously healed or people that have been cast demons set free, like they think that it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad thing to earnestly desire these gifts. But there's this, um, this journey that Elisha is taking with Elijah. So Elijah is on a road that will ultimately end up with him in a chariot of fire. Chariot of fire. Swung away into the, into the sky. Yes. But it starts with him, and this is Second Kings chapter 2. And so when the Lord was about to take Elijah, verse 1, up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And for students of scripture, Gilgal was a place that it means like, um, like a cutting away, like a rolling away, putting away. Hmm. It's the place where Israel uh, had finished their wilderness wandering. So this is the last stop before they go into the promised land. Wow. Um, does it for them. But they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. They took 40 years to take a two-week trip. Yep. Um, and in that time, there were men that had been raised, that uh, born and raised in the desert, who had not been circumcised. Okay. And so imagine this uh, announcement going out. Uh, hey, we can't go in there until all you young dudes come up here and uh, let me take this stone knife and... Right. Uh, uh, and, and Carry out these you. ceremonial duties. Right, right. And, and we don't have nearly enough time to talk about circumcision and, and why it was important and why it's you know, something that was part of the Jewish traditional. But here's what I, what I, to me that says this, that Gilgal was a place of, of like preparation for them to go into mm-hmm. the promised land. And many times for 
us. I'm wanting to be filled with the Spirit, but my prayer needs to be uh, that I need to be emptied. I'm trying to get filled, but what I need to be yeah. is emptied because I'm already full of something else. Yeah, it's it's, it's funny. It's, this is a totally random object lesson, but I was having this conversation with my dad over the weekend about his snowblower because he's <laughs> up in Ohio and it's you know they just got like eight inches of snow. He can't get the thing started, and he's realizing he's got like more than half a tank of bad gas in uh-huh. his snowblower. And he's trying to talk through all the different ways of getting it out there and getting the, the new gas in there to get it yeah. filled back up with the proper fuel. And so anyways, it just that, be emptied. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the analogy that popped in my head when you were describing Yeah, That's that. actually really good. Cause that's, that's what happened when they're headed into the promised land is that they, to be filled uh, with the spirit for us. Like sometimes we got to be emptied out of what we're, right. we're full of. Um, Hebrews four talks about the word of God being sharper than any two edged sword cutting between. And I think that for spirituality, if we think that it's only about adding two, that's not true. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's about cutting away. Yeah. So there's a place of preparation that we start with, with the Holy spirit. And so if, um, if, if you're earnestly desiring, you know, that's the first thing that Elisha did, and I love it because Elisha's saying, I, 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 I don't want to stay. I want to go with you because Elijah, in this next verse, says that uh, he tells him in verse 2, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here uh, because the Lord has now sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. There is a point in like the spirit and desiring the Holy Spirit. We talked about it on Sunday, remaining instead of retreating, like staying here. There's just something about that of day after week, after month after year of, of emptying in preparation and then remaining. And Elijah hears, I'm going to stay with you. But when he says uh, Bethel, like students of the Bible would know that this is a uh, place that in Genesis 28, um, when Jacob uh, and his brother Esau, right, his, their father Isaac is getting ready to pass on, and he's going to uh, give his blessing to the birthright. The, yeah, the birthright to Esau. This, and, and there's, it's interesting in that, because even that, like the blessings that they give out over our sons, is something we've lost in our modern culture, because what every son needs to hear from their father is that you have what it takes. I see who you are. This is a very rich Jewish tradition. Right. And, but, uh, Jacob decides that he wants the, so the birthright because Esau's the oldest means he's, you know, uh, he's going to be the one that gets the the majority of this. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, the story goes, and I don't know what puppet this would have been. Uh, (laughs) actually the more I think about it, I'll bet Esau was also Elijah and John the Baptist because you need, you need somebody who is a hairy and yes, yes. Esau was the hairy one. Yeah. So who would Jacob have been? Because Jacob (laughs) had smooth skin. I don't, know. I don't know who Jacob would have been. David. Well, maybe Adam. I'll bet it'd be the same because I bet Adam had smooth skin. Do you he's think probably, he was hairy? He's probably ripped. No, he was ripped. Yeah, but do you think he shaved? I, yes. I mean, he he looked amazing. I, I bet mean. he did. Yeah, I bet he did. And I bet I'm going to one day <laughs> in my restored body. So Jacob goes in. He tricks his father. He puts on like fur of animals. He goes so far as to even like takes his brother's clothes, so, which means he smells terrible. Right. And, and he tricks his father. And, uh, and he... <laughs> Esau comes running in. He's angry. He says, I'm going to kill you. Jacob mm-hmm. flees. All that to say, he ends up at a place called Bethel. Wow. Bethel. Yeah. Um, and I love it because it, the word Bethel means, it doesn't mean prison of God. It doesn't mean courtroom of God or punishment. It means house of God. Right. And that night, Jacob has this dream and this vision. His, he's like, he says he's laying on a rock. You know, a bad conscience makes a hard pillow, right? Yeah, that's and, good. But that night, he's laying on that rock, and he has this vision and this idea and this realization. So Gilgal is preparation. Bethel is, is realization. And the realization that God loves him. He's not sending him to prison. He's not sending him. So you go back to John 14 and realize he's not cutting in butchering you he is washing and lifting you mm-hmm. that realization is critical in our relationship with god this is not just four easy steps i don't mean it to sound like that but it helps me to at least remember it but that that realization that god is with me because um, what does uh i think it's luke 11 he says that earthly fathers you have earthly fathers who even though they're evil they know how to give good gifts how much more right. would your heavenly father give the holy spirit to all who ask him 
that's the realization that God is so good that if you're going to ask for the Holy Spirit, people get weirded out, like, oh, am I going to end up with a demon? He says, no, 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 you're not, I'm not going to do any of that. You're going to get the Holy Spirit. I would never let that happen to you. And so from there, they go from there to Jericho. So um, as this story goes on, uh, let's say verse three, the, the company of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know the Lord is going to take your master today? He's like, yeah, I do. And then Elijah said to him, um, this is verse four, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And again, he says, Elisha, as surely as the Lord lives, as you live, I will not leave you. And I got to, maybe that's what was speaking to me this week. That prayer, as surely as the Lord lives, as surely as you live, I am not going to leave you, Father. It's the words of the the disciples when Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where are we going to go, Lord? You alone have the words of life. Like we're not going anywhere. But he goes from there to Jericho. So then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elijah. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. Uh, verse 4, surely as the Lord lives, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to leave you. And then the company, verse 5, of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked the same question. Now Jericho um, is a place of confrontation. Okay, mm-hmm. So we've got uh, preparation, realization, and Jericho was the city that when Israel got to Jericho, they see these large looming walls, which again, if we're in Israel, we're going to Jericho this time. Um, oh, wow. Uh, it, it's a fascinating place. It's kind of a little, um, I don't want to say that now, I'll scare everybody. It's, it's not, it's in Palestinian territory. So it's a little, right. you know, you'll get some, you'll get some, uh, you'll get some excitement while we're there. But in Jericho, God tells the people of Israel, the city is unbelievably big. They're powerful march around the city uh, seven times, six times, I'm sorry. So every day you're going to march around it six times, you're going to worship, you're going to praise. And then on the seventh day, you're going to do it seven times, and then you're going to shout, and the walls are going to come down. And I think part of why they got to do it six days in a row was every day was one more reminder that without God, I can't do this. Right. One more reminder that this is too big for me. Without God, there's this, what's happening in our country is too big for us. Uh, what's happening with our government, too big for us. Keep marching, keep praising, keep marching, keep praising. Yeah. And on that seventh day, uh, they, they seven times they sang, they praised, they shouted, the walls came tumbling down, flannel graph, throw it off the walls. <laughs> um, VeggieTales was Josh and the Big Wall. That was the episode. What was, uh, what was Josh in that? Was he a cucumber? What would he have been? Yes, he was the cucumber. He was cucumber. Larry. 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 Larry the cucumber, Larry the was, cucumber Josh. was Joshua. Josh and the Big Wall. That was the Jericho story. Veggie Tales. <laughs> so Josh and the Oh, wait, we, we can talk about We didn't even get to Rahab the Harlot. That'll be another. Yeah, that's another about. episode. <laughs> I, this is important because the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, he says, I'm going to give you the power to become my witnesses. Like that's the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and you'll be power, given power to be my witnesses. It does not say, I'm going to give you power to sit in the closet and scream in tongues. I'm going to give you, right. you know, it's, and what I mean by that, I think that what I know what the Lord means is he is sending us into hostile territory. Uh, he is sending us into a place where what we are going to say is going to be hated. It's going to be rejected and it's still going to be true. And the power of the Holy spirit coming on us, I think means that we have to be willing to speak up. Peter, right? The guy that was cowering in fear uh, around a, a fire the night before, right? Then he ends up just 30 days later, 42 days later, he's standing in front of the same people that would scream to crucify Jesus and telling them, you guys killed him. Uh, like he's telling him the truth. He's telling him things that is going to make them very angry. And the Holy Spirit came upon them that day. Yeah. It was in him confronting the culture, him confronting with truth. And that's uh, I think that the, for me personally, and I don't know if this speaks to anybody else, you know, I've lived my whole life with this idea that uh, there's two sides to every story. The old saying, no matter how thin you slice the bologna, there's always two sides. And so it helps me to be more empathetic. It's not a right. bad thing. But sometimes there's not more than, there's not two sides. There's not five sides. There's not your side, my side, and the truth. There's just the truth. That's it. There's the truth or it's not true. And this past year, for sure, but the past few years, there are things that we are saying that we 
that are true that are not popular right now. Right. Um, the idea that uh, there was an artist this week that released an album uh, in Christian music category. We were talking about it this morning. And she uh, is openly gay. But the point was that she said that this is a, a Christian album because I say it is. Like you, you sent me the video of her saying that uh, I want this to be on the Christian charts and this is how we're going to get it up. If you guys do this, that's how we'll get it up the charts. So she wasn't necessarily saying that this Christian content as much as she wanted to say that this right. is who I am and I want to make sure that this is on the Christian charts because I'm going to get this message across. And I look at that and I feel empathy and I feel sad and I feel like, man, Jesus really loves this girl, really yeah. loves her. And what she's saying is just not true. Um, it's mm. just not. Uh, the word Christian was first given in Antioch, Acts chapter 11. By the way, Antioch right now, 12 miles from the border of Syria, like modern day Turkey, like it is in a hostile place. Right. That was where they were first called Christians. And they mm. were called Christians because they loved their neighbor as themselves and they loved the Lord God, not all the gods. Romans were very patient as long as you were willing to say that there were multiple gods, multiple ways, as long as you're willing to not, you know, mess up our fun with our sexuality. They were, they were fine with all that. But the minute you said that there was one God, his name is Jehovah and his is the, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. That's what got them killed. And so to take the name of Christian and just say that it's whatever I make it to be right. is conforming Jesus to my identity instead of me conforming my identity to Jesus. And that's a scary thought to be in right now because we, you, you see, I mean, it happens whether it's on television, whether you're binging something on Netflix, there's this undercurrent mm -hmm. of that there is truth, but it's if you don't agree with this truth that's coming from secular, you know, media, secular science, secular personalities in Hollywood, if, you, if it's not, and they all think the same thing. Right. And so if you don't agree with that, then it's, it's not true and you're hated for that. Yeah. It's true until you disagree with it. And then it becomes another truth. Yeah. And that's the maddening part of this. No one can be wrong. And there's no accountability for that. Right. It's seemingly a really easy way out for something that you may disagree with. But at the end of the day, like, there has to be something that's true. Which is funny because that, so the idea that there is no such thing as truth, that actually is a truth. <laughs> Right. The, uh, yes. So you're declaring a truth that there is no truth. And for us, the courage to come to say that, do we really believe this? I mean, do I, I went to that empty tomb. I stood where Elijah stood. Like, do I really believe this? Because mm -hmm. if I believe it and it's true, then what am I willing to pay for the, co the cost of this truth? Yeah. Um, and that's the Holy Spirit. I will give you power to be my witnesses. In fact, when you see in Mark 15, when he starts, or 16, when he starts talking about these signs will follow those who believe. Um, it's interesting because you actually start looking even with some of these in 1 Corinthians 12 and you think, oh, I can see why that would be needed. The ability to speak a foreign language that I don't know already, the ability to interpret that to someone that I don't know already. I'm out here, I'm, I'm sick, I got bit by a snake, I might need healed. Like you can look at the Gerber and say, oh, this Leatherman has the tools that right. I need to go into all the world. Um, so how does this play out? How has this played out in history uh, in terms of when there is no when when culture does not accept an absolute truth or yeah or a an abstract truth prevails in a culture like what's the what's the end game how does that resolve over time <laughs> poorly <laughs> i yeah. mean if you look at empires uh over history um Again, I joke about it, but it's because it's kind of funny, but it's all it's kind of not funny. Like you, you can go and, and, you know, go to places in Rome right now and pay ten dollars to walk on the grave of those who said there was no truth. Yeah, um, you can uh, walk on the graves of those who killed Christians. And so what, what what seems to be the thread of truth from the time of Jesus and even from the time before, by the way, you go all the way back to Genesis, this one scarlet thread of the gospel goes through it all, which is yeah. the story of, of man and the story of God. And that is that, um, I, I don't know where we are in the, in the context of any of this, but I, it's not lost on me that P 
Paul addresses the church in 1 Corinthians 12, and he does not address the government. Yeah. He's just telling you, Christians, this is a place where there's a lot of uh, crazy things happening, a lot of pagan worship happening here. Uh, in fact, he even opens it up with that, saying, hey, don't be worried. You're not going to end up accidentally getting a pagan god inside of you. That's not you, because that's something they would have been very scared of at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, he talks about offering, uh, eating meat that was offered unto idols, telling them, hey, there's actually nothing wrong with that meat. That's the culture they're in. Don't worry about it. But if it's going to cause somebody to stumble, you're not that hungry. Don't, don't eat that. Yeah. Um, but that's a, in a culture where the, the truth of the gospel was at odds with the truth of, of reality. And I get to me one of the greatest evidences of who Jesus is and uh, that the gospel is true is that throughout all of history, for at least the last 2,000 years, and then actually before that in the, in the Jewish people, the, the, the truth of Jesus has been hated and is hated more than any other. Um, and if that alone doesn't tell you something, that the kingdoms of this world, I mean, it, it, we could have a conversation whether it's Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism. Those are all very celebrated with media elites, with education elites. Right. Um, they would refer to us saying anything about uh, Islam negatively that we're Islamophobes. Mm-hmm. No mind that in most of the most of the world, not even the developed or undeveloped world, that Islam says that woman is a piece of property. Mm-hmm. Islam says that someone who's homosexual should be thrown off a building. Um, that happens in Palestinian territory in Israel. Um, so it's madness, right? It's the right. madness of the crowds to say that those of us who are out there feeding the poor, clothing the naked, uh, r- rescuing addicts from addiction, whatever, that they would hate us yeah. for that. It's a fascinating. Uh, I, I heard an interview once that someone uh, said that it would they would rather it would be more how they put it. Basically, coming being a Christian in Silicon Valley is like coming out of the closet would have been in the eighties. Right. Like it's so risky that we don't even want to tell anybody yeah. uh, that we're Christians. Yeah. The last place that um, that Elisha goes is the Jordan River, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, verse down in verse 8. Then Elijah said, stay here, and I'm going to go to the Jordan. That's where God is sending me next. And he says, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I'm not going to leave you. Same thing. But they go to the Jordan. And if you remember the Jordan, this is right after Gilgal, right? They're going to go in the Jordan, that they've got the ark of the covenant with them and he tells the priests to step into the water mm-hmm. um, and then I'm going to part it now if I'm a priest I would think how about you part the water and then I'll step into it right yeah, Fair. it's a little more convenient feels a little better I don't want to accidentally drop the ark in here I don't want to but that's not how it went they step into the water and then God parts it and this is the place Jordan is the place of expectation that if you're going to go out there to a place of, you know, the realization of how good God is, if you've been to the place of preparation where I've cut away those things that are keeping me from the kingdom of God, um, I'm willing then to step up with confrontation and tell the truth of, of the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is, that I ought to be expectant that God will do something in those moments. Yeah. And that place of expectation is that sometimes we got to take the step first. Sometimes the Brian Tankersley of the world have to go and put their hand on my shoulder before they really know whether this is really right or not because I'm taking a step of faith with it. Sometimes you have to start the church before you know how God's going to pay for it. Right. I would have loved to have had God provide the finances for the church before we started it. Then I'll go do it. But he didn't. Faith and obedience. Yep. I remember when we were considering moving to Nashville out of uh, Ohio, in Cincinnati area. And my wife was, she, I guess would have had the gift of faith at that time. She had already, uh, was convinced we're going to go ahead and put, we're going to go ahead and sell the house. And I, she knew that this thing would be sold and that we would have a place to live here in Nashville. And I had no backup plan, zero, but she knew. And, you know, it's funny. It feels like our wives, more often than not have the gift of faith yeah. in those promptings. Um, but that was a time in our life where we totally had to make, a, make the move to step out in faith and expect something. And, and the Lord honored that. He yeah. blessed it. The, the expectation that God's going to do something requires you to take a step first, first for it. Yeah. For the faith uh, that you trust him, whether you're going to do it or not. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know, I, I look back over our lives and, uh, you know, it's easy to forget them because it's easy to get so focused on right now. 
But man, it's good for us to remember those moments. Yeah. It's really good for us. And it's good for us to, again, either God said it or he didn't, either we believe it or we don't. And there are times we're just going to have to take a step and have the expectation that God's going to do something, mm -hmm. that he's going to part the water. I mean, I remember us talking, um, Mo wasn't on staff yet. We were still over at the high school and, uh, I, I didn't know what we were going to do for building it. But the, the phrase that I kept thinking was, okay, we're going to the, we're going to the sea and he's either going to split it or we're going swimming. Right. And both are okay. But I was just expecting that well, that's where we're going. We're not turning back. We're not retreating. We're going forward. And he, man, he's, he's absolutely come. Uh, he's actually come through for us. And so that's been a gift for us uh, here. And I think that when you, as far as wanting a, a double portion, wanting like a, the earnestly back at first Corinthians 12 31, earnestly desiring the gifts, these greater gifts, earnestly desiring them. Doesn't mean I'm desiring them to be a, 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 a big guy on campus or famous or sell the books or fill up an arena. It's just earnestly desiring it because that's how God loves on people. And Elisha, uh, when you look at what happened in his life, so Elijah is about to go, the, the, the chariot's going to happen, and he takes his, his cloak and drops it on Elisha and flies away. And if you look at the, the record, Elisha, uh, he asked for a double portion. He did literally twice as many miracles as Elijah yeah. did. Like it's a double, like it was what God, it just goes back to Luke 11. Like if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you ask for him, then he's going to give it to us. And, uh, when we start with the abiding, the obeying, I believe that well, I've experienced it, that he has, but I believe that if there's one thing we need in our world right now is not a lot of people with a lot more education. We just need a lot of more. I feel like a lot of us have out, like we have out educated our obedience. Like, uh, <laughs> like uh, we're way educated and we are not obedient at all. Yeah. Like we know more. We've, I know people probably have forgotten more about the Bible than the disciples knew when he called them. Yeah. Uh, three years into it, but they were obedient. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, what we need in this world right now are, uh, are obedient Christians who are willing to do the confrontation, willing to stand in expectation. And then these gifts of 1 Corinthians 12, we can debate what they are all day long. We can talk about what this or twist that or whatever. But if we start with the Holy Spirit, then I think that the, the honest and the authentic response to that is what's going to come out of us naturally. Yeah, it's an active faith not a passive faith. Yeah. Something that's living, not stagnant. And isn't that great? Because if it's just academic, like if it's, I mean, think about how miserable Buddhism is. Sure. Strive, work hard, make it happen. It's why it's fundamentalist Christianity is so brutal. Cause it's just mm -hmm. Paul said in Galatians, it's for freedom that Christ set you free. So don't go back under another yoke right. of burden with it. But if, if, an active faith means that I'm trusting that the real and living God is real and living right now is in dwelling me and wants to like, I love the way that Tony worded it. Like it's a personalized faith. Then it's not just an academic and moral thing. It is that moral, but it is not just that it's the fact that the Holy spirit still wants to move in our lives, wants to be a part of that and wants us to be a part of that for, I mean, he talks about the body of Christ. I mean, how cool is it to think that Jesus could have done this a million different ways, but instead he chose this way. The body of Christ means if Jesus wants to give somebody a hug, I get to be that. Right. Jesus wants to heal somebody, like I get to be that conduit of that for him. He wants to pray for somebody, wants to smile at them, whatever. Like we get to be that. He chose us to be his body. Which is the whole concept of the name of the church, conduit church, to be a conduit. Yeah. To be a resource. Wish I'd have thought of that at the beginning. That would have been good. <laughs> it's funny that name. I think that's such an example of how the Lord moves without even knowing moving it because <laughs> we put about 12 seconds of thought into it because <laughs> I just needed to put something on the 501c3. Gotcha, yeah. But, and at that point it was just money. But then over the years, I'm like a conduit of the Holy spirit. That's what he want. He, I'm going to like rivers of living water are going to flow out of you. It's good. You're a conduit of the spirit. So right. yeah, conduit of his will. So that, is enough for this week. We will be continuing the series over these next several weeks. And uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. I kind of wish it was Ephesians 12. That would have been easier. Oh, I know, right? Uh, Ephesians 4. So if you're if you're looking for some homework, you're looking uh, you know, to kind of stay ahead, 
read those chapters, absorb those chapters, uh, study those chapters. We're going to be diving into each and every one of those in the coming weeks. Um, and of course, join us on a Sunday if you'd like. Uh, we have three services. We're also streaming online at 10 a.m. You can just jump onto YouTube, Conduit Church, or our uh, website, Conduit Church, or the Church Center app. Um, just search Conduit Church and You'll find out everything that's happening there. Find out some of our mission efforts, and uh, there's just there's a lot happening right now. There's a lot going on, some amazing things, and we have Easter services actually in the works. One hundred percent coming in. I think six weeks, or six or seven Sundays. I'll have to double check that. Yeah. It's coming fast. Easter 2021. I'm excited about that because. I feel like, and look, I know theologically speaking, what I'm saying is I'm not 100% accurate um, in the olden days. I never let, I never let uh, theology get in the way of a really good point. Uh, that's not what I'm doing here. I did, I, it felt like the, ga- the Easter experience was stolen from us last year. Sure, yeah. Uh, there was still hope by that point that maybe we'll be able to get back together by that point. Uh, and then, of course, that was a joke. Not a chance. <laughs> um, but the theme this year is can't you can't stop us is that what it was that we decided can't be stopped can't be stopped we cannot be stopped yeah our services will not be stopped our gathering will not be stopped because his death on the cross wasn't stopped he defeated death right and the resurrection can't be stopped right his return praise the lord will not be stopped cannot be stopped and yeah. so that's kind of our theme. We are not retreating. Yeah. We are forging ahead. Yeah. Regardless. And we will, yeah, I, 100%. Like we, it'll be from my cold, dead hands that we pull the keys of this place out of here again. Because we have seen in these last 10 months that the gathering of believers has been critical. The gathering of believers is saving lives. I, we just wired another 10 grand this morning to finish a school in Nepal. We sent 30 grand yesterday to free more slave families. And that the vast majority of that comes from our gatherings. We love you, our dear podcast podcast listeners. Uh, and you're welcome to join in on the donations and to help with us. But the vast majority of that's coming because we're sitting in a room together, inspired together yes. with the Holy Spirit moving among us. And we change lives that way. So that said, Easter Sunday, April 4th, uh, we are planning to do two services on site. Uh, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in a big tent in the front parking lot. Um, Really excited about this. So more details to come about that. All of the information about anything happening here at Conduit is, of course, at conduitchurch.com. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to uh, jumping in again next week.